Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, it's me, Chriselle Lim, co-founder and CMO of Bumo. As a busy working parent myself, I felt like there was a lack of options for parents and I personally needed more support. So that's what we're doing here on Being Bumo. We're here to make your life easier, a little less stressful, and help you navigate through this complex thing called parenting. So subscribe now to Being Bumo at applepodcast.com slash beingbumo or wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, gotta go. See you guys soon. Welcome to Real Pod. It's your host, Victoria Garrick, and this is the podcast where we hold nothing back. Oh, so we're getting deep, huh? I really cried for 12 days straight. Why do I want to be perfect? There's nothing in my life that is perfect. Every week, I'll bring you honest, unfiltered, and eye-opening conversations to help uncover the real in all of us. I crave the type of content that you're talking about. I actually felt insecure. Oh my God, am I going to cry? Let me just unload everything. (laughs) (laughs) New episodes every Wednesday. Leave those filters at the door because it's time to get real. Welcome back to Real Pod, everyone. Hope you're having an amazing day so far, whether or whether it's the start to your day, the end of your day. I hope it's lovely. Today on the podcast, we have one of my friends, Cameron Rogers. You might know her as Freckled Foodie from Instagram, or you might know her podcast, Freckled Foodie and Friends, which just signed with Dear Media. Yay. So Cameron has joined the family. I'm so, so happy for her. She has been grinding on her podcast and working at this for years now. And it's just so awesome that she's finally getting all of the hard-earned success. And it was an honor to have her on the show and really like take that next step and dive further into understanding her story, how she got here and kind of her philosophy on life. And I really, really loved this conversation. So I know that you will too. Before we get started, I just want to give a shout out to Kenzie. Hi, Kenzie. She left a five-star review, said, love this podcast for my morning walks. I catch myself talking and laughing with Vic and her guests out loud with my AirPods in. Absolute girl talk, Mackenzie. Kenzie, I love that so, so much. I feel like I do the same with my favorite shows. And I need to bring back the voicemail number and do a Q&A with you guys because then you could call in and leave me your comments and questions. So thanks again for this review. And remember to all of you listening, if you leave a rating and review, you might be the shout out on next week's episode. Without further ado, let's get started with this episode featuring Cameron Rogers.
Yay, Cameron. I'm like, when I call you freckled foodie, but I love that <laughs> we've switched the handle. We've changed. We've evolved. We've grown. I mean, I still very much like, I still call my community FF fam. The mm-hmm. show is still freckled foodie and friends. Like when I meet people, they're still like freckled foodie. So I still feel so attached to the identity. Right. It was just time for an evolution of the page. I mean, you just changed yours too. Yeah. Hello. To Victoria Brown. Yeah. It felt like a really big deal to me. And it felt kind of necessary just mm-hmm. with the evolution of where my content has gone. And interestingly enough, it's something I've been considering for like a year, maybe even more. And then once I did it, all of this stuff has happened. And like, I feel like it was me being like, okay, universe, I'm ready. And when I saw that you did that, I loved it because I know we're going to talk about content creating and influencing later on in this episode anyways, but what you brand yourself as is so important. And like, mm-hmm. I have friends who come up with funny handles, but then people, every time they see your content, they're reading your name and that's registering for them. So as much as it's jarring for me to switch it from Garrick to Brown when I did, people are slowly getting used to it. I even texted my best friend and was like, are you just used to seeing Victoria Brown when you see it? And she was like, so used oh, to I'm it. Oh, I'm so used to it. Right. And I know that like, even though I've done a good enough in my career now, I'd like to imagine that I have like three times, four times, five times more I want to do in my life. And so I'm like, let's just rip the bandaid off. Yeah. And for me, it was like, well, Freckled Foodie totally represented what I started and like everything I started from the beginning and that early stage of my career and what that was. But I do feel like everything evolved so much for me personally, but also professionally. And I was like, well, I'm not even really focused on food anymore. Like food is a pillar of my business and my content, but it's way more focused on motherhood, parenting, lifestyle, postpartum, mental health. Like I want to feel more confident sharing all of those things, which is what lights me up, which is what I wanted to focus on anyway. And by switching to my actual name, I almost felt this freedom to just like fucking go for it. And simultaneously, the direction I want to take my career in is obviously podcast focused, but also like we talk about this, more speaking engagements. I've I love doing that, speaking on panels, being a personality on like, you know, whether it's morning TV, whatever. And that's my handle. Like, that's me. That's my name. That's not necessarily a freckled foodie thing. Right. I love that you're bringing up this idea of switching identities because this is so relatable for so many people. I know you were a college athlete, Mm -hmm. which is like low key. (laughs) You don't talk about it a lot. I know. I really don't talk about it a lot. It's such a flex. It's been so long now though for me. And honestly, okay, good. I'm glad we're talking about this because there's an identity shift when you stop playing sports. Like if someone said, are you an athlete? What would you say? Yeah, I am. Okay. I feel the same way, but I do have this sense (laughs) of like- But also like, I don't know how Like if someone was like, go run a mile- and not that that's saying that's what an athlete is, but like I've switched my exercise and workout routine since having a kid. And so I do think I'm an athlete, but then simultaneously, I'm like, if someone threw me on a field, I don't know how I'd perform. Right. Like I'm 10 years out of college. I'm also older. I have this, my toxic trait though, was thinking that like I could be thrown in the game tomorrow and like still be really good. Well, duh. <laughs> no, I mean- <laughs> but I couldn't. Like I, I literally go up the stairs and I start cramping. Well, did you ever play an alumni game? No, I wanted to so bad, but it was COVID when okay. I was the alumni. Oh, right. And then I don't think they did one this year. Yeah, you're like fresh. So that's the other reason. Like I literally am 10 years out of college this summer and I played in our alumni game. I think it was like three, four years out and it was such a humbling experience. <laughs> my God. I thought like I used to be a, a midi and my like main role, quite honestly, was the like transition. And I would just like run from 
our defensive to get it onto the attack. And I was like, I just thought that was going to happen again. So I go to do it. And I'm used to like running past people, dodging, like see you next time. Right. Mentally, no, it's there. They're just next to me. Physically, and, it's not. And suddenly they're all like encroaching on top of me. And in my head, I'm like, why are you, why haven't I passed you yet? Like, why are you next to me? And then I right. realized I'm not in the shape I once was. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I register with that. And I will let you know how the alumni goes when we get to Please play next fall. Please keep me posted. So graduating college, what did you think you were going to do? Well, I left with a full-time job. So I had signed for my first career, which was in sales and trading. The summer. Fun. Yeah, wild. <laughs> the summer before my senior year. So I'd interned at JP Morgan the summer before my junior year and the summer before my senior year in sales and trading. The first summer on rate sales, second summer on municipal bond sales. And I got a, it, literally it's like committing to a college because it's kind of unfair. I went into senior year of college already having a job, like signed, sealed, delivered. And I graduated knowing that I had exactly one month from graduation day to the beginning of my training. So it was like the whole year I knew what was going down. And at that point in time, why was that your job of choice? My jobs growing up, I was always a coach. So I would coach for like the school or like the young kids. I would coach them in lacrosse. And then over the summers, freshman and, and or the summer before college and freshman summer, I coached for my summer league. So I was like the rising seniors coach, like helping them with recruitment and coaching them, whatever. And my mom sat me down and was like, okay, it's time you need to get like a real internship job, quote unquote, real. That is like in the direction of what career you want to work in. I loved sports and I growing up, like, it's just so funny because I think, not that it's come full circle, but something I should probably address like deeper. I was like obsessed with the idea of being famous when I was little, which I don't feel at all anymore. Just famous? I thought I was going to date Justin Timberlake and I thought I was going to be famous. Like, it's embarrassing to admit, but I really did. Isn't it interesting how we all wanted to be famous? Yeah. And uh, maybe. Did we all? Did you? I mean, it sounds like when you said like a deeper thing you should assess, it sounds like maybe you wanted it a little more than me. No, I think I should assess. For me, it's more not that I wanted it now, but like, or then it's interesting now to come full circle of being like, did this have any play in leading me in the direction of what I'm doing now? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, like every other kid, was like, well, when I'm going to do my Disney mouse circle, oh, right. this is the color I'm choosing. And of like, course. this is how I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know? And so I just wanted, I loved the idea of like, honestly, being with a microphone, but I couldn't sing. So then I was like, okay, you're not going to be this like Britney Spears. You don't know how to sing. So you got to write that off. And I started thinking like, well, what do I love? I love sports. And I was watching ESPN all the time. And I'm like, I want to be a sports broadcaster. Like I want to be on a mic, a personality and doing something that's talking about what I love, which was sports. And my husband, who was my high school boyfriend at the time and college boyfriend, like he was also obsessed with sports. So we were watching games like 24 seven. And I, I don't know if that's what drilled it into my head. So I applied to like ESPN, NBC Sports, Fox Sports, CBS Sports, everything. And I remember vividly where my mom and I were. And we were having lunch. And she's like, okay, would you ever be interested? You are an economics major. My mom used to work in finance. She was an investment banker. She's like, do you ever want to like work in finance? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, you don't, I don't know what even that like pertains. I don't know what those jobs look like. And she said to me, I think you'd be really good in sales and trading because it's very compatible to athletes, which it totally is. And we can dive into that. But she was like, why not just apply? And I was like, okay, well, if I apply, I'm going to apply to like the top one. I'll apply to JP Morgan online and we'll see what happens. I ended up getting an interview 
like before I heard back from any of the other like sports broadcasting stuff. And then I really loved it. Like the internship and even the beginning of my career there, it was so fitting to my personality. And I don't mean that in all the best ways. Like it brought out some of my not so great characteristics. Which are what? Type A perfectionist, over competitive, hyper focused, and fast paced mentality. Like, I love it. You're like, here they are. Oh. A, B, C, D, E. You're just listing them. <laughs> How deep you want to get? Didn't even no. have to stop and pause. No, but, and like, and I want to get deep, you know, putting, putting blinders on and thinking that like this is the only thing that matters, cutthroat, and not having patience for anything, high anxiety. And that's why I think I was such a high performer there. And I had this great career of the five years and a great career path ahead of me. But it definitely caught up with me where I was like, wait, this isn't a version of myself that I actually like. Like, this is not the best version of me at all. I've heard, I mean, the way you're describing it, but also my friends who've worked similar jobs and still do, the toll that this type of industry takes on your mental health and the way that no one talks about mental health in a corporate environment, how stigmatized it is. And you're just expected to be nonstop working, like working to the bone. It's it's a really wild to reflect on. So sales and trading is market-based. So you're basically working around the market hours. So I was in, in the beginning, it was at 6.30. And then towards the end of my career, it was like 7. But you're in early and then you leave pretty much around five to six. There could be days where there's nothing going on and it could be a really slow day, but you still can't leave, which maybe you can't in all careers, but it was like you couldn't run out to a doctor's appointment. There was no chance you could have like therapy in the middle of the day, which I don't even know if you can in most jobs, but like sometimes I feel like if you're in charge of your schedule, you maybe could. The most blatant example is that I literally the entire day said, I'm pretty sure I have appendicitis. No, I'm positive I have appendicitis. Nine, yeah, I have appendicitis. Worked the entire day, left at 5.15, went home, packed up a bag, grabbed my older sister. She took me to the hospital and I got my appendix removed that night at 11 o'clock. But it also gives you this false sense that like what you're doing is so vital and it's the only thing that matters. And like that was what wasn't great for me mentally where I was like refusing to make time for other things almost. With fall just around the corner, you don't have to sacrifice on comfort while still wearing the season's biggest trends. I'm talking water-repellent booties, super walkable heels, and the cutest active sneakers for your daily walks. But not only are they super, super cute, but they feel amazing. And I'm talking about Vionic. Vionic delivers on great feeling feet so you can live your best life through their Viomotion technology, which is a patent podiatrist developed footbed that's built into every pair. They say wearing Vionics is like an act of self-care. And I know why, because when I put on my first pair of Vionic shoes, I was like, whoa, they really crafted this with the feet in mind. And I actually have really flat feet. So it's very important for me to have supportive shoes, even the cute ones or my feet will start to hurt. So I've personally been loving Vionic shoes and they have tons and tons of options. And guess what? It is no stress because Vionic's 30-day risk-free trial means there's no reason not to buy because wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days if you're not satisfied for any reason at all. So you have nothing to lose and you might just find your brand new, super cute, favorite pair of shoes. You can use code REALPOD at checkout for free shipping when you go to www.vionicshoes.com. That's www.vionicshoes.com. 
dot com using code realpod at checkout for free shipping on your order. This episode is sponsored by Athletic Greens. Now I drink Athletic Greens every single morning. So does Max. We love it. And what is Athletic Greens? Well, it's a greens powder, but with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. You do one scoop of this powder, you mix it with water, that's it. And that special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, all the things. And my body definitely thanks me for it. And it really helps regulate my digestion. It also costs you less than $3 a day. So this is definitely cheaper than getting all those different vitamins, all the supplements, you're investing in this all-in-one nutritional insurance. Right now, it's time to arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give RealPod listeners a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com RealPod. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash realpod to pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Where was your relationship at with your body and food at this point? Horrific. Awful. Really bad. When I graduated college, I never, I like never struggled with my body growing up. I have a lot of thin privilege. I've always just been a thin and like athletic kid. And because of sports, maybe you feel the same way. Like we never thought about working out because you just went to practice or you went to a game or you went to strength training or conditioning, even through college. Like I never was responsible for exercising. And when I graduated, I was just like, well, now what do I do? And I didn't know what to do. And everything, my life had changed so much going from being in school to suddenly working these intense hours and sitting at a desk all day long. And there's a lot of client entertainment and all of that stuff. And I turned to running because it was like the only thing I knew. But then my mm. obsessive controlling type A competitive personality became like obsessed with the numbers of running. And I vividly remember being in the Grand Central Equinox at 530 in the morning where I went every fucking day and seeing all of these older women weigh themselves at the scale in the locker room. And I never grew up weighing myself. We just never had scales. And I never owned one myself. And then I was like, is that what I'm supposed to be doing? Like everyone's, literally everyone's doing this. And I remember stepping on and then it became this habit. And then it was one of those scales where you like move the thing physically. Oh my gosh, those are the worst. So like everyone's freaking seeing it as well. Yes. And I just vividly remember getting like a hit of dopamine while it was moving down. And that's when my brain was like, I don't think this is good. Mm -hmm. Like that should not make you that happy. And simultaneously, I was struggling with a lot of digestive health issues that were deeply tied into my anxiety, but I also very oddly had mercury poisoning that was like causing a lot of weird shit going on in my stomach. And I was doing all these elimination diets to try and figure out what was happening. So the intention was great, but the impact was awful because then I became obsessed with every ingredient that was going into my body. And I definitely wouldn't say I struggled with the eating disorder, but I absolutely was on like the scale of orthorexia where it was just this obsession over like eating the quote unquote healthiest thing possible. 
And like going to dinner with my girlfriends would cause me so much anxiety beforehand because I'm like, if it's a group dinner, are we going to order for the table? What am I going to eat? What if what if there's something for me on the menu? Should I eat all this food before I go? And then I'd end up overeating because I'd fill myself before I went there because mm-hmm. God forbid there was something I couldn't eat. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of started to spiral. And I definitely lost a lot of weight. And I just, my self-worth and value and like body image, everything was just shit. And I just remember coming home from work and just crying so hard and feeling so confused because I had the boyfriend. I had the apartment that was so great. I had all of my friends. I had the job everyone wanted. And I'm like, why am I so depressed? And why am I so sad? And why do I feel so lonely in a city that's so full of people that love me? And that is when things like started to shift. And I started to more openly talk to people in my life about my struggles. That's when I started finding a creative outlet that then became Freckled Foodie. And that was kind of like one of my turning points. You've said a few times, I like, I vividly remember the situation or where the scale was or yeah. where I was. And that really hits me because with a lot of our traumatic experiences in life, it can be a smell, it can be a word, it can mm-hmm. be a sound. And we just know what that is. I mean, I remember the first time I stepped on a scale and began my scale dopamine hits. It was the scale at my Yaya's house. I came back from a sleepaway camp. I was like 12 and I I just saw it and I stepped on. I like didn't know really what they were. Mm -hmm. And I think I saw that I was like 113 or something. And I remember thinking, oh my, wait, I should be below a hundred and I'm 12. I mean, but I remember it. And when I still go to her house and I go to the bathroom, the same damn scale is there in the same spot. And I just remember this child version of myself stepping on. And don't you just want to hug that version of yourself? Yeah. Why do you think we remember these things so vividly? It's so, uh, I don't know. And it's honestly interesting because my memory is not great at all. Me either. I don't even, I, I'm so glad like, you said that. Bad. Because, it's oh, terrifying to me. Me too. I can't even remember how I felt last month. I remember my life as if it is a story, mm-hmm. which is kind of messed up because I think my career has like Trained put up a brain. lot of dark spots for me. So I remember these certain binge episodes that have become part of when I share that part of me. Or I remember these moments in my relationship with Max because those are like, you know what I'm saying? Totally. I have this theory that my childhood, I don't know why. I really don't feel like I remember anything from my childhood. Really? And part of this maybe is because of my concussions. I've had six now. So like maybe. Wow. But also I just don't think I had a good memory. But I have this theory that like all of the memories I have from my childhood are really just photos I've seen and I've turned into memories or things I've been told or videos I've seen. Because if I think about the memories I have, I realize that I've also seen a video or photos of them. That's trippy. Do I remember things that I you haven't seen as an one adult? one interaction as a kid that wasn't I'm, I'm trying video. to think of them. Right. Well, when do you even start? You know, I lived in New York until I was like three or four. I have no memory of that, which I think is normal. I don't think we remember things that early. I don't know. Most of my memories that I, like, if I think about my childhood, I think about these things, but then I realize I've seen photos of them as adults. Did you experience anything super traumatic in childhood that you think would have made you block it out? No. Like, no, not that I can think of. Like, unless there's something that happened to me that I don't even know. (laughs) Like a part of you. No, I've literally thought about this where I'm like, did I miss something that happened to me? Because like, I know that can happen, (laughs) but no, I don't think so. 
I kind of talk to my sisters if they remember stuff. And I had this amazing childhood. Like, right. it was not traumatic at all. Anyway. But you um, vividly remember some of these But I vividly remember. Yes. That and, like, what you said about the scent and stuff. My biggest thing for that is, which is not traumatic, but I had a really rough first trimester of my pregnancy. And before I got pregnant, it was a surprise. So before I had found out I was pregnant, we had planned. It was during COVID. We were like, let's go somewhere that we can drive and like still isolate because it was still like during that stage of the pandemic, but have access to like really good outdoor space. So we booked this Airbnb in New Hampshire, my husband and I and our dog for three weeks. And we were so excited. We were right on Lake Winnipesaukee. We were going to do all these hikes. Like it was going to be this big thing. I found I was pregnant. We were like, let's still go. It was when I was still feeling okay. The worst weeks of my pregnancy like symptom-wise hit during that period. Mm. And I still, like when I see fall foliage, get a little like, and really? I had to throw out almost every piece of item I brought there because the scent of laundry detergent that was in that house will not leave the clothes in my mind. I cannot explain it, but like there are certain things that if I smell it or see it or think about it, like I don't know if I'll ever go back to New Hampshire again. Wow. I've never had a kid, so I can only imagine what the pregnancy emotions and hormones are like. I do know like the scent of the volleyball gym at USC. A million things will go through my mind when yeah. I smell the Galen Center. I don't even know if I can process them all. It's like a scene in a movie where everything flashes before your eyes and you feel it kind of at once. Do you have that with weather? Because like for me, the first spring day of like the season, and it's not even necessarily spring, maybe it's late winter, but it's like weirdly warm and like the birds are kind of chirping and it just feels like a different vibe. I'm like, oh, it's preseason because that was an outdoor sport. I'm like, oh, this is preseason. Okay. So not with weather, but you know, what just came to my mind that I don't think I've ever shared, but talking about getting deep and dark when I was really young, this is a memory that I have that there's no video and there's no picture. <laughs> However, you know, when you tell yourself, did I make this up? <laughs> oh, all the time. I, I know I did not make this up because we went to this park when I was a child in Park Ridge where my aya lives. And we were at the swing set and it was like the perfect sunset so that the buildings really far away were glistening that gold mm -hmm. that happens at sunset. And I just remember that moment, period. Okay. Then I'm in college and I am the most depressed I've ever been. This is my sophomore year. And this is like weeks where I'm honestly thinking about how nice it would be to lay in a hospital bed because mm -hmm. that's how much of a break I wanted. And I'm biking home after a long day. I remember the cross street and I look left down Figueroa and I just see like downtown LA and the sun was in this place where the buildings were gold. Mm -hmm. And I, and I just had this feeling of like connectedness to this version of me who was young and saw that and like, I don't know, saw hope, saw beauty, saw curiosity. And then here I was, you know, those moments where you zoom out of your life and totally. you really feel like the only person who exists, even though you have people close to you. I think I did snap a photo of it. I have one photo. I should go back and look at the date and the time. But when I see like those things just make us feel I don't know, like some sense of knowing with the other versions of ourself. Going back to our early point about all the identities we'll have throughout our life. Absolutely. And it's interesting you say that because it's actually one of the favorite things about being a mom for me. Because when I watch my child and I watch him take in the world and observe 
and see things for the first time that I take for granted, like watching leaves blow on a tree or clouds move in the sky. My favorite thing and the thing I was not prepared for is how much joy that brings me and like hope in the world and absolute gut-wrenching fear because he is like an extension of my body that lives outside of me. But it has brought this entirely new aspect of gratitude and playfulness. And like my favorite times are when I get to just like play in the park with him and my phone's in the stroller or in my bag or pocket or whatever. And we're just playing. Like it's so fun to just play and because don't do you, it as adults. You get to be curious right. again because that's just not something we train at this stage in our lives because growing up, I mean, Liam is curious and he's pointing and you say, that's a leaf and this is what it does. And it's like slowly we are doing the same thing where we're like, everything has a label. Everything has yeah. a defining sentence. Like and then played, yeah. you're bored. We played in like a leaf pile at the park on Sunday. And he was just so fucking excited to like pick up the leaves and drop them on his head. And it was the cutest <laughs> thing in the world. And I was like, I could sit here for an absolute eternity. And we were there for 45 minutes, just simply staring at each other, dropping leaves on our head. That's so cute. It was really cute. This is not the same, but I was playing tug of war with my brother's dog. <laughs> no, but playing. And yeah. It's and, playing. And we were playing tug of war. And I was just like, this dog, Gus, just loves to to tug this rope. I'm like, I'm like, if I didn't end this, I don't think it would ever, ever end. end. Ever. He would just keep tugging. Yep. So wait, how did you get into the content world? So because of my digestive struggles, I started cooking more because I was on these elimination diets. And that was making it hard to like eat at restaurants because it was like so specific. For me, it was garlic and onion. Like I couldn't even have the seasonings. So I started cooking and I grew up in this household that loved food, but we never had these like big, elaborate, everyone's cooking together meals. Like my mom literally was the queen of meal prep. We ate spaghetti and meatballs out of Tupperware in the back of her Suburban on the way to one of our practices almost every night. So while I loved food, I never really was cooking food. And also in college, like you know, you're in dorms, you're eating off of your meal plan, all that. And I started cooking more. And the more I started cooking, I would like text my friends and I just got really into it. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start an account. It was kind of the like beginning era of food porn accounts in New York. And I was like, I'll post from restaurants and I'll post stuff that I'm doing. And like, no one has to know. I was very set on no one knowing. I was like very embarrassed about the whole so thing. So Freckled Foodie was your So that's why it was Freckled name. Foodie. So I didn't tell anyone. That's not obvious. Right. I know. But I didn't. You're the cutest. I love your freckles. I know. I'm wearing short sleeves, so you can really see them. I only told my then boyfriend, now husband, and my younger sister. And I think it was like a few months later, we were at the beach, and my friend was like, excuse me, is this you? Like, this came up on my Explore page probably because, like, my little sister And were you gaining, like, random followers? Yeah, but it was, like, small, like, a a few hundred. And then I was like, yeah. So then I kind of told people. But I still was like, "Mm, I'm not going to, like, post about this on my personal Instagram. I was still embarrassed by the whole thing because I was like, oh, another food account. Like, you know, phone eats first, that kind of thing. Which sometimes— it does because I'm making an intuitive eating video and that's that's what it does. And whenever I'm in public and I think about people looking at me like this girl's annoying, I'm like, it's my job. I know, but I have such a hard time like getting photos taken in public. Like I can't do it. Wait, I literally shut down. Like, I've been working on no. this rejection therapy. I was in Target yesterday filming a TikTok and I was very embarrassed about it. And then I was like rejection therapy. Stand right there in the middle of the aisle. Hold your freaking phone up and film the TikTok. And if they want to judge, they, they want to judge. I know. Like what does it fucking matter? It doesn't. 
Okay, confession, before I go to any restaurant ever, I pour over lists and lists of reviews to make sure it is going to be delicious, a great environment, and top-notch. So why not do the same when booking a doctor's appointment? With ZocDoc, you can see real, verified patient reviews to help find the right doctor in your network and in your neighborhood. And after all, finding the right doctor is just as, if not more, important than finding the perfect restaurant for date night. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. I mean, it's all that you would want when booking a doctor in one place. And on ZocDoc, you can find every specialist under the sun, whether you're trying to fix an achy back, get a mold checked out, or anything else, ZocDoc has you covered. ZocDoc's mobile app is also as easy as ordering a ride to a restaurant or getting delivery to your house. Search, find, and book doctors with just a few taps. Every month, millions of people are using ZocDoc. I am one of them. It's my go-to whenever I need a quality doctor. Go to ZocDoc.com slash RealPod and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash RealPod to make finding doctors that much easier. I had this account. Then I eventually like told my team, I was like, oh yeah, I have this account where I like post food, whatever. It wasn't anything. I was not like making money off of it. And then it started to slowly, slowly grow and I started to really enjoy it. And I always say like, oh, it was a bit of a red flag that I used to sit down at my desk in the morning and every day go to like the infatuation, NY Eater, Well and Good, Mind, Body, Green. Right. Like that's where your passion was. Instead of Wall Street Journal. Mm -hmm. And I actually interviewed a complete idol of mine. And he was like, well, that's a green flag. That's not a red flag. That's a ding, ding, ding. This is where your heart is. I was like, I'm going to steal that line right, and like, use it all the time. Rephrase it as that was your first green flag. Yeah. So then I, I started sharing more and more and more. And I mean, I was like meal prepping a ton. And I mean, on my stories, you literally see me like it was a photo of my lunch in my like boss's office because I convinced him to buy a mini fridge so I could keep my meals there. And it would like take it like with my loafers on like behind it and his carpet and I'd like run back to the desk and eat it. So like that was my style of content. And then it was like all meal prepping meals. I started to love it more and more. I started to evolve and grow a little bit more. And I kept thinking I want to do so much with this, but I truly do not have time. And I mean that wholeheartedly. I was waking up at like 4.45, 5 a.m. to like work out before work to get home, to do content, content all weekend, cooking for my friends. I think back and I'm like, girl, what the fuck were you doing? Simultaneously planning a wedding. And I kept saying like, I feel like I'm running with a blindfold on and I know I'm going to run into a wall, but I don't know when. So I'm just going to keep running. And while I loved the idea of what I was doing, I had not made any money off of it. And I didn't really know people that were making money off of it. Like there were a few wellness influencers that are still around today that definitely looked like they were doing it for their full-time job, but there wasn't really transparency of like, there wasn't the influencer content creation movement that there is in today's world. Right. So I was like, you would be crazy to give up this job and this career that you have that is like the top of anything you could have accomplished in your space of like economics major. And so I kind of just let go of this dream of ever doing it full time. And I was like, it'll just be a fun hobby, whatever. And then I think I've told you this, but I got hit by a car while I was crossing the street. 
I didn't know that. Really? No. Well, I guess it was before we were friends. Yeah. In 2018, it was in March. It was the first like snowstorm of the city. And I was crossing the street. I was going to a yoga class. I had the walk sign. I wasn't on my phone. I looked both ways, everything. But a car was like flying down the parallel street, which would have been fine. He had a green light. But he turned and he just straight up did not see me because <gasps> it was like not well lit and I was in all black and the snow. So I suffered from a pretty bad concussion. Did How did, did you go onto the hood? Or he did- like hit the, Actually, the best thing was that I had my like hood on. Talk about like trauma response to things. I obviously had to throw away the jacket because I was like, I cannot wear this. Every time I put it on, it like triggers me. I had my hood up. So I didn't actually see the headlights. And so because of that, my body never froze and I didn't turn towards him. So honestly, it was a blessing. Wow. Because when you freeze up, you know, they train quarterbacks. I'm sure you know, because Max, like not to freeze because that's when you get injured the most. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Max hasn't been freaking prepping me for this. Supposedly. Wait, that's fascinating. You want to be more loosey-goosey. It, the looser you are, it's why like, this is so unfortunate and sad to say, but in like drunk driving accidents, the driver is sometimes less injured than a passenger because if the passenger's sober or something, they clench mm. and the driver's just kind of like the loosey-goosier you are, the less an impact injury. I, fact check me, but I'm like 99% sure. Interesting. Gotta get Monica and Dax Yeah, on really. Fact <laughs> check for this. Excuse me, Monica. Um, Cameron and I are friggin' arm cherries till we die. We talk about it all the time. So the car hit the side of my body and I like flew onto the hood and hit <gasps> my head very hard on the car and then flew onto the pavement, <gasps> the street and hit my other side of the head very hard. And I kind of like came to, I didn't necessarily like go unconscious, but all of a sudden I'm looking up and there are like headlights in my face. And I'm like, oh my God, I thought he was going to run over me. So I jump up, the guy gets out of his car. He's like clearly shaken. He's just like a normal dude driving. You jump up. I think the first thing of standbyers would say, don't move, don't move, don't move. Right. But I'm like so fucking confused. I thought he was going to keep, like, I didn't know that he was getting out of his car. So I see headlights. I'm laying on the street. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. And he's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the people pleaser in me is like, oh my God, he's probably freaking <laughs> the out. The people pleaser is like, oh my God, I'm so sorry no, I was in literally. your way. He's I'm like, so should we call the police? I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. Oh my God. Oh, straight up, she didn't call the cops. Wait, I would do the same thing, I'm dead. Which like actually ended up kind of biting me in the ass. But he was a very kind man. He actually went to the police himself and filed a police report, I th- which like makes sense. So anyway, he walks me to the yoga studio because I was on the block and I knew the instructor. So I was like, I'm just going to sit down with her. I'm in Brooklyn. So I didn't want to call an ambulance because I didn't know what hospital they were going to take me to. I didn't want to pay for all of this. And it was then when I called Joe and I was like, I got hit by a car that it all hit me. And I start like a flood of emotions, start hysterically crying, call my mom. I get in an Uber because traffic would be too bad for him to get to me. I get in an Uber stay on the phone with him and go directly to a hospital next to our apartment. Just frightening. I mean, you could have been internally bleeding. Yeah, not smart looking back. But thankfully, I didn't have any issues other than a concussion. So long story short, I suffer from a pretty bad concussion. I'm now on disability for a full two months. I didn't know it was going to be that long. It was going to be like a week, but it just the symptoms never ended. And my neurologist was like very, very strict about not trying to rush in. And during that two-month period was when I started meditating. It's when I started journaling. I couldn't be on my phone. I couldn't be on social media. I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't read. And it really turned everything upside down for me. And I, like, referenced the accident and having a baby as, like, two life-changing moments for me. And it shifted literally the way I think about everything, especially my body and exercise. Because you realized life is so fragile and precious? Life is so fragile. 
I was a control freak. And this was quite honestly the perfect example for me to realize that I don't have actual control over anything. All I can do is control how I react because I was doing everything by the book. It's not like I was like crossing the street, looking at my phone, didn't have a walk sign. There wasn't a crosswalk. I did everything I was supposed to do, but the universe had a different plan. And life is really fucking short. Mm. And the concept of it and my relationship with my body was I was so in so much pain and struggling so much. And the only thing I can equate it to is when you're sick and you can't breathe through your nose and you're trying to go to bed and you're like, God, I just wish I could breathe through my nose. Mm -hmm. And then one day you're not sick somehow, you know, you're not going to bed being like, how great is it that I get to breathe through my nose? (laughs) We take it for granted. This is so specific and so accurate. No, but this is like the best way I was able to conceptualize it, to like explain it to others. And we totally take it for granted. And I think that's almost everything about our body. And for me, I just wanted to be able to like go outside and walk five blocks without feeling like I was going to pass out or throw up or have a migraine or any of those things. And for me, exercise before that had been such a punishment and such a, like if I didn't run a certain pace or a certain distance, it was a quote unquote waste. And I don't know these crazy expectations I had. And when this happened and it was such an extended period of time, I will like, I I said to myself, I promise myself I will never take movement for granted. I will never take my body's ability to do these things that I think of as simple, but now are so difficult for granted. And I've really, really stuck true to that. And like, I remind myself of it whenever these thoughts come in. And that's why it was such a changing moment for me. And it really changed the way I look at exercise completely. Wow. I love that. I did not know that about you. That is freaking powerful. But sorry, also that being said, during this time, I was like, this job is not where I'm happy. Right. This is not lighting me up. Sure, at surface level, it's great. I loved it for my ego. I wore it like a badge of honor and there were definite golden handcuffs because they pay you really fucking well. But Golden handcuffs. That's what I call it. If that's not the (laughs) metaphor of the freaking century right? Wow. Well, I mean, I was like, I will never have this low amount of responsibility in my life. I didn't have any kids. I wasn't going to have any kids at that time. I came from a very privileged place where I had money saved because of financial privileges that I've had from my family. And I was like, you're in a place to be able to take this risk. You know what you love. You know what you want to do. Give it a fucking try. Like, give it a go. And I think that there's so much privilege in that that I always want to acknowledge because I'm not encouraging everyone to just, like, uproot their life and chase their dreams. And I think sometimes that's a false narrative we're sold. But I went back after disability was up, and I looked at my boss after, like, a week, and I was like, really sorry, but I'm leaving. I had this whole speech written out. Of course, I started crying right away and didn't get to any of it. He looked at me like I had 10 heads, and that was the last time I spoke. Wow. What a story. It's so true that we take for granted on a daily basis the little things. Did you see the Selena Gomez documentary? Yes. Yes. Okay. It was really good. I've been playing my mind in me. Like, I nonstop. Literally so good. But I watched that and tying back into your desire of being famous, I literally watched that and just thought, you have everything Mm -hmm. and you still struggle to this level. 
maybe want to give her a giant hug. Same. I mean, I love Selena Gomez. However, it also made me realize, why do I want more? Why? I literally just had this conversation. Yeah. Okay. I fully agree. And I want to make it very clear that even though I wanted to be famous when I was a kid, I am not interested in it now. Like, I don't. Oh, me either. I don't want to be um, a household name. Yeah, ever At all. And I want to make that very fucking clear. I just had this conversation with my friend who is struggling because she feels like she's a content creator and she feels really stagnant. She's like, I just feel like I haven't had the momentum lately. I haven't had any like big things. And I feel like the people around me do. I'm like, okay. And I was talking to my other friend who also was like, I'm struggling to put content on TikTok. And I just feel like I'm missing this opportunity. And I said to both of them, why do you want more? Like actually ask yourself, what would more bring you? What can we, can we, can we role play this with me? Oh, okay. Absolutely. Okay. okay. If you had more followers uh-huh. or more views on your TikToks, what would that bring you? In my mind, it would bring me the opportunity to have cooler opportunities. Like in my mind, if I have 10 million followers and I DM Selena Gomez, she would come on the podcast. But I don't, so it never gets read. Like in my mind, that's what I'm thinking. Okay. I don't disagree with you there. <laughs> I mean, I think the, 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 then the follow-up would be like, and why do you feel like you need to interview her? Well, no, because I actually get that. Your mission of like why I, I can get behind. Yeah. Like I don't think that that's an incorrect mission whatever at all. Like part of it maybe is it because of selfish and like ego-driven, and I'm saying this as someone who feels the same way. Yeah, of course, because I wouldn't be the one that gets Selena Gomez. Not, not Selena, but I'm using her as your example. And like how amazing would that be for me and all of that. But I right. also think that you would have a really deep conversation and that would help so many. And there's like such a serving for your community with that interview. But if your mission, which is what I was talking about with the other two creators, is like, well, I don't know. Other people have more followers than me. And like, well, if I get more followers, then I'll be able to charge a brand more and then I'll be making more money. And then this, 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 this. And I'm like, well, are you happy with your life right now? And like, maybe you're not. And maybe you need to adjust a few things to be happier. But like, for me, when I think about this, I'm so fucking happy with my life. I am so happy where I'm at in a working stage. I am so proud of the mother I am. I'm so happy with my relationships, whether it be with my husband, my family, my friends. That's actually something I want to put more time into. And I realize that more, more, more when it comes to work would take from that bucket. Mm-hmm. And like financially, I, I'm i in a very good place. Yes, of course, we always want more because that's society we've been raised in. And like, sure, I would love to be able to provide everything under the sun for my child, but I don't need more. And I think coming to terms with that really allowed me to be like, I'm just going to put out there what I love and what mm. I want to put out there. And like, who the fuck cares how many views it gets? Right. I love this so much. It's like literally hitting me at such a tender core place because it's something that I toy with all the time. And even yesterday, I think I was thinking to myself, ah, I need to get like to the next level on TikTok with the following. And then I thought, remember when I was just dying to hit a milli and I was like, what? remember when you were dying to hit like 10,000? I mean, TikTok right. is different because it went like zero to 60 really quick for some. 
But like when you were dying to get like 100,000, 200,000, 300,000, like all of those benchmarks. I know. And honestly, and for anyone listening, being like, oh, Victoria's sounding really shallow. Genuinely, it is because I want the opportunity, like the opportunity. And I love challenges. So I'm like the opportunity to handle an interview with an A-list celebrity. Like I'm like, I would love to prep for that. I would love to see if I could do that. I would love to fail at that and then try better the next time. Like for me, it's genuinely the fact that when you do have more in our career, more doors open. And I'm I'm really excited about that. But I do have to check myself because it's like, if I'm telling myself that I need more doors to be fulfilled in my career or to be happy in my life, like that's not true, you know? Yeah. And I frequently, like tonight, I'm going to speak at a podcast class at USC that I so took. So cool. And I took it before RealPod. I was so excited about it. My mom, when I told her I was going to speak at the class, was like, I remember when you came home from the orientation of the class and you were like, I'm so excited to start a podcast. And I'm thinking, and now I'm driving from this beautiful studio in West Hollywood where I just did an interview with you. And like, I have it. And yet I'm thinking, how do I get these guests? Right. It's so fucked. I don't always swear, but it's fucked. No, I. it's so fucked. And I have a few things. One, I think this will shift. I don't know if you're planning on having kids, but I do think that if and when you choose to have children, it does shift a little because it prioritizes things. And in my mind, when I think about more and more and more, I'm also aware and I realize that that has to come from somewhere and that will take from a specific bucket. Like it's just a matter of the fact. Like it takes time. It takes travel. Like even this, I am literally living out my manifestation dreams. Like, you know, we have talked how many times on the phone about how badly I want to be a Dear Media host. So long and so much. The fact that I came out to LA, I'm doing interviews, I'm hosting guests, like all of this stuff. It's my dream. But I was having a panic attack the night before I flew because I'm like, I can't believe I'm leaving him. It does take from somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I think that that has really shifted my mindset on the more, 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 because I'm like, I want more, more, more of him. Mm-hmm. I personally want more and more, more time with my child. And yes, like sometimes more does equate to me being able to offload things that frees up time. I'm all about trying to work smarter, especially after having a child. And that's like a goal for me. But I also am really working on sitting in my success and allowing myself to enjoy it rather than constantly thinking about the next thing. Mm-hmm. It's so easy once you reach a bar to be like, and the next bar is this. Yeah. Let's go. Move it on there's, up. And there's always another bar. Always. There's always actually Ella and I, I know you just had Ella on your podcast. We have a dinner planned for next Friday night for the purpose of just celebrating. Amazing. Our, like where we're at. Like we're going to go. We're each going to talk about ourselves and what we've done and what we're proud of because we steamroll everything. And I just, I so relate to it. And actually after watching the Selena Gomez documentary, my background on my phone is still this. It says, I have it all right now. I love that photo. And I made all of these little collages of the friends in my life, Max, my family, career, like just feeling like, you know, and I do think, look, I'm a hustler. I like to work. I like to grind. And there might be people listening to this who are like, well, I don't feel hundred percent happy with my career, my finances or my relationships. And I talked about this when I had Gabby Bernstein on a while ago is how do you create an environment where you're content and you're accepting of where you are and you're not trying to grab the steering wheel of life, but 
you're still able to like pursue progress and, and achieving the things that you want, but there's a healthy way to do it without the, she was saying you can do it without the anxiety of I have to do it. And if I don't do it, my life's going to suck. You can wake up, be grateful for your body, accept where you are and like approach the things you want to achieve in life with joy and more of a sparkle in your eye than the weight of the world on the back of your shoulders. It's even hard for me to explain it right now because she was so majestic. Well, I love Gabby. I just really thought that she explained it in a beautiful way. And I'm I'm trying to surrender more to life. What I will tell you is that I resonate really deeply with that. For me, I notice when I envision it almost like I'm strangling like the top of a bottle sometimes when I'm like, like I want something so badly and I'm like trying to force it, force it, force it. That is when nothing comes my way because I'm literally strangling this bottle so tightly that nothing can get in. When I actively wake up every single morning, which is what I do, it is a daily practice for me, and choose joy and focus on being happy and doing things in my choosing joy toolbox that light me up. Well, sorry to cut you off, just so we don't lose people here. You mean like choosing the pursuit of joy? Yeah, like I, it's been my mantra for the past year, like choosing joy you are going to focus and like maybe the sense dark, maybe not everyone feels this way, but I have to choose to be happy. Like I naturally will not wake up and like see the bright side of things. I can like, unfortunately, like have a bit of a pessimistic mind and my brain can go wild and it's sometimes a scary place. Well then, so you should know that you can't just decide you want to be joyous that day and feel it. No, I know that, but it's choosing joy in the sense of choosing actions that will make me feel happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's you, what I you mean. You choose to pursue joy. Yes. So my choosing joy toolbox kit is like my dancing in the morning, my meditating, my journaling, cannabis, things like that, that bring me joy. And when I do things like that, and when I focus on doing things that light me up, and letting go of this obsession over what other people think of me or what other people are doing or how I'm being perceived and just focus on enjoying my life and spending time with people who also light me up and doing things that light me up and that I feel my best in, that is when things come my way, mm-hmm. like a, 110%. I love that. I, I just, gosh, I freaking relate. I think it's so true. It's so refreshing. We all need to just take a deep breath and think about what we currently have. One of my favorite quotes ever is, happiness is not a place you arrive to. It's a state you cultivate. Mm -hmm. Love. And said by Dean Verunsoni, who's been on the pod, but it's not a place you arrive to. It's a state you cultivate. And I think we all have the ability to move pieces in our lives to help kind of cultivate that Mm -hmm. that thing. I love you. Thank you. I love you. This was awesome. You're a freaking rock star. I'm so happy I get to see you. Everyone listen to Cameron's (laughs) podcast. That's an Thank order. You. Thank you, honey. <laughs> Wait, I also just want to say Vic has been such an incredible supporter and friend Aww. for me and helped me get to where I am today. Oh my gosh. It really means the world. Stop. So thank you. You're the best. And I'm literally so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of RealPod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of RealPod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week seeing behind the scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real.
please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.